Welcome, Dream Freaks, to episode 14. Yeah, wow. Tree Carr, and I'm an author, a dreaming guide, a death doula, and a tarot reader. I live in the UK. And I'm Jennifer Clarascura, and I am a dream guide. Uh, I specialize in dream work, dream interpretation, and I am located in New York. Um, and today we're going to tackle a topic that Tree and I are very familiar with, and we experience a lot throughout our life, I guess, most of our life. Um, and that is the topic of astral projection. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones too, the out-of-body experience. And I think it's something that doesn't really get chatted about too much in the lucid dreaming scene because a lot of consciousness explorers see that an out-of-body experience and astral projection is a very different thing than lucid dreaming. But some people argue that they might be the same thing. Um, so maybe in layman's terms, for those of you listening, we, we could just go over a little bit of what is an out-of-body experience. So Jen, what do you, how would you define an out-of-body experience or astral projection? Yeah, the reason why I use, I, I don't even use, really, I haven't been using astral projection or out-of-body as a term, which is funny. It kind of creeped up on me throughout this decade that I started calling everything just the astral dream. Um, the reason why is because as as I matured in the in the whole scheme of consciousness, um, I realized that I, I the borders and the um, boundaries between both kind of overlapped. Yes, they seemed super different, or they are in many ways. But I can't deny the parts that overlap, and I usually like to go there. Um, the point of overlap because I'm very curious as to what call, what is that you know like is that just like um, one consciousness al alchemical change into the other or is there actually like a you know uh, in between state between both you know I don't know what do you think yeah it's really interesting because they do seem like very different experiences um, in a sensory and visceral way but the thing that I find that makes them similar experiences is that in an astral projection experience, out-of-body experience, and a lucid dream, this, the common thread is you are completely conscious and aware, and you're in the present moment. You're able to, to make decisions, cognitive decisions, and um, set intentions, and, and drive your will forward. So that's the one thing that I find is the common denominator between the two. But the differences would be, um, like I was saying, since, you know, sensory differences. So with, a, with an out-of-body experience, there is a defining moment where you, you feel yourself separating from your body. And this can come in the form of lots of different body, bodily sensations. And some of the sensations you might feel are high buzzing states or vibrations within your body, like electrical feeling um, or a buzzing feeling. Some people feel like uh, they're magnetized in some kind of way or very heavy, heavily magnetized, like a really like you feel like a magnet, if that makes sense. Um, and other people feel like their body's shaking. Um, and there can be some audio, um, audio sensations too very much like the sleep paralysis state. So you can have sounds um, uh, like buzzing or whirring electrical sounds or whooshing like wind sounds. So there's this, on this liminal threshold, you have these sensations that are very tangible and you're, and you're very much present and conscious during this, you know, this, this uh, experience. And then um, the, the, the sensation of also leaving your body. So it's a sense of feeling um, like you're detaching. And some, sometimes it can feel like you're being pulled out of your sleeping body or you're rolling out or you're sitting up. But there's a definite difference. of You, you feel this detachment. 
And sometimes when you feel the detachment, it is effortless and it feels very light and you're sucked out and you're all of a sudden floating above your body. You're floating in the room or somewhere in the room, or it can feel very much like you're moving through really thick energy or mud or, or syrup where <laughs> it feels really and very difficult. Sauce. You know, have you felt that? Sauce, the astral sauce. It's like really thick sometimes. <laughs> um, but there is these moments where you, you just know you've just detached from your body. And then often you can, not everyone does this, but some uh, people are able to, you know, turn around and, and see their sleeping body in the bed below them. So that is very much different than a lucid dream. Um, a lucid dream being that you're actually, you're in a dream, a seemingly normal dream, and something odd happens within the dream that actually peaks your consciousness in the dream state. So you're like, oh my God, it's a pink elephant with, you know, six trunks. I'm obviously <laughs> dreaming. And then you become conscious and aware in the dream. Um, and you start co-creating or working with your dream. But the difference being is that uh, one is within a dream state and there doesn't seem to be a detachment of, of a difference between a sleeping body and your consciousness detached from the body. That's the lucid dream state. And then the astral experience, the out-of-body experience, there is a very defining moment where you're like, I've just separated from my body and I'm in my room. So the experience is not within a dream context, but within the pragmatic physical reality of your bedroom. Mm -hmm. And um, one one thing that um, I guess I want to tell this story because it comes from the perspective of my first um, out of body or astral experience. And it is important because I didn't know what it was. So I never read about it, never heard about it. Um, this was new and I didn't know what was happening. And I think that's important because this was untainted, <laughs> innocent territory. And um, it goes like this. I was in my room. I had woken up. So my first experience happened awake, which is what also made it strange, I guess. And um, I was waiting for my sister to wake up. So I was just laying there looking out my window, you know, looking at her, wondering when is she going to wake up. And I kind of liked the silence in my room, being the first one to wake up. You know, it was kind of cool. And then suddenly I noticed that there was a little, uh, like a, a little ping pong ball in the middle of my room, like floating. And I remember thinking, what? You know, but I didn't, I was so young, like five-ish, that I thought, okay, that's strange, you know, but then it grew into a portal looking or a person like you see against the sun, you know, like just like the darkness and something came out of it and came up to me and took me out of my body. And I didn't know what, what happened. All I know is I looked down and I saw two arms, my two right arms. So, you know, my right arm and then another right arm hand. And um, I remember the being asking me telepathically if I wanted to stay with him or her as we were flying around the world. And um, I remember thinking about my parents and I felt that pull, like, whoosh, like that snap. And mm -hmm. I appeared back in my bed and I couldn't talk for like an hour or two. I was mute. I don't know if it was the shock, but my parents didn't know what to do. I remember I just kept moving my arms and I didn't know how, how to explain it to them. And when I finally could talk, my mom told me, oh, don't worry, that was just a dream, you know? But my dad was like, hmm. <laughs> and he, got, he started talking to someone. He heard a story in his work about somebody that got out of the body. So he brought that guy to dinner that night. And, uh, you know, the guy was like, explain to me your experience or something. And then he would get me books and stuff. But it was still something that I wasn't, you know, too um, familiar with until my teens when it began in a different way, also unknown, like not like the typical that you hear. So it was like a ball of energy, a ball, like a, like a tennis ball, orange size ball of energy that was just up uh, going through my my limbs and then my torso and my head and it hurt 
was painful. Like I remember thinking, this is so painful. Like I want it to stop and it wouldn't stop. It would just go until finally it would reach my chest and it would drag my whole perception. Like if my eyes were, you know, a point of location, it would suddenly drag my eyes out of my head into my chest like where I perceive things. And I was dragged into a whirlwind tornado until it would spit me out with the noisiest, buzzing, violent, like sounds. And then suddenly peace when I would be outside or what people call outside in my room in the astral realm. And I would be, I would be in the room floating in the air, the twilight, you know, uh, colors thinking what just happened. And um, those were my you know, beginning innocent stages uh, before I read anything like really, you know, about techniques. I never had never read. I just read about like uh, that it happens, but nothing about mm -hmm. techniques or anything. So in, in that sense, uh, I think it's important because it wasn't like the typical, you know, floating out or I was awake. And then in the other one, I was just um, I had these violent ones for for a month. I would cry. Like, uh, why me? This hurts. Like, ouch. <laughs> I don't want this. <laughs> wow. I hated astral projection. I hated it with all my soul. Like, I, I would just pray to God, like, make this shit stop. <laughs> yeah, this seems to be the case. Things, it happens spontaneously at a young age. And it becomes, um, usually it's, it's, it feels scary and unwanted. Um, really interesting experiences, um, especially like with all the sensory and sensations that you were experiencing in these states and also the other um, entities that were there. Yeah. But you know what? It was, it was the entity or the being or the portal, whatever it was, it, that um, sparked my curiosity forever. So after that, um, it was almost like an initiation into the paranormal, I guess, you know, like, I, cause I would liken it to like ghost experience. I know that a lot of lucid dreaming in the communities, they, they don't agree that it's like, they call it ghosting. I think like, you know, you're like a spirit, so to speak outside or in an energy vehicle mm -hmm. that, that can be seen. But in my experience, I have been seen. Also, uh, and it's been confirmed two times in my life that somebody has seen me. And it's usually when they're just waking up, meaning that their perception is still with like dream eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Making an appearance in the astral plane. <laughs> <laughs> but I also acknowledge that there, there's an overlap because I've been able to transition from one to the other. Um, and I've been able to also have like uh, contact with spirit guides in both um, mm -hmm. very deep uh, experiences in both. So there's almost like in both, I can reach a certain soul journey. That's when the, 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 the concept of a soul journey began also like, uh, that's what I call the astral dream is when it's not even either it's everything. It's the soul. It encompasses all, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting. And the concept of the soul journey is a very like shamanic concept where shamans um, are able to journey through um, dreams to connect with other people in order to help them and heal them. Uh, and it's um, a very, um, you know, commonplace uh, belief in a lot of shamanic modalities. Yeah. And I certainly know that um, this is the case with uh, the original peoples of Australia and the dream time. Mm. And there are um, a lot of astral projection is just a, a normal thing for uh, shamans and healers to do. I agree. It's a, uh, I learned later on that um, the world out there or in there, because this could be like an inner projection, if you look at it from that perspective. The underlying thing is that consciousness is the underlying thing. <laughs> and that's what unites all the experiences, consciousness or soul or whatever you want to call it, um, the source in you. I don't know what people connect to in, in that 
sense, but um, the underlying thing that connects it, that's the, that's where my attention goes. Because from there, anything, my experiences are very, uh, can go in many different directions. Uh, it's almost like I'm in an airport and I can choose which flight to take. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, uh, should I, like, am I going to, I'm open. Like, is it going to be a shamanic journey? Is it going to be like typical, you know, astral experience or time traveling experience or in between lives, uh, past life, you know? Uh, so all these things are available in this space. And that's when I started to really erase borders and boundaries, because when you focus on the source, then Yes, something happens in that you're open, you know, completely open to an ex without like your head trying to categorize in that moment, you know, you're just open to the experience. And that's when the magic happens in my in my views. Yeah. And, and rightly so, because I think what happens with a lot of uh, dreaming, dream scene stuff, people who are just, you know, they just want to pursue lucid dreaming and that's great. And that's all the dreams that they see as valid is the ones that you're conscious in. Um, and then you have your OBEers who are all, you know, going down that route and then their normal, uh, you know, dreams of, of nightly uh, reveries are not considered valid in any way. But so they just want these ultimate experiences. But I think they're all valid. And I think there's something to be said about what you said. It's like tapping into almost like this, this field, uh, a greater field of consciousness that can be accessed through various channels. So it could be accessed through the out-of-body states, be accessed through lucid dreaming or the hypnagogic state. And even just the dreams that you have that you're not conscious and aware, that just see seem that are like seemingly normal or there, there's great messages in that, that there's something there that is, um, I guess some people could call it the, the quantum field or, or the sea of consciousness or the Kashic records or the dream time or the matrix. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or the and it's easy. I resonate with all of them. You know, it's funny. Some people just believe in one or the other, but they all sound good to me. Quantum field consciousness, you know, matrix. They're all, words. They're all words for the same thing. And you see them defined in different cultures called different things. You know, some, you know, even the concepts of heaven and hell, these are the, what, what are they? They're zones, they're dimensions. And heaven can be anything and hell can be anything, really, if you think about it. You have a nightmare, you've gone to the, the zone of hell. You've had a euphoric, amazing, transformative dream. Perhaps you're in heaven. I mean, these are just words to define something that is tangible and really there. Um, I'd like to use the word multiverse just because I love to throw in a little bit of science all the time. And I know that no, no, me multiverse too. I love multiverse, quantum, um, the quantum world, you know, the multiple realities, because it, it does overlap with the spiritual part for me, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's a, the multiverse is a theory of um, that there's possible, possible dimensions and, and the, and the universe is full of multiple layers or dimensions that um, we can access. And sometimes we stumble across them through uh, an accidental out-of-body state, or sometimes we stumble across them when we see a ghost with our, our you know, uh, with our bare eyes. Um, so however you want to define it, it is safe to say that there seems to be something that is greater. So some people might call it the collective unconscious as well. That could be another word to, to define this. But all of these ways in which we connect to this space, that's not our waking state. So it's the dreams or the astral or the liminal spaces. Well, we can get there. We can get there, not just, you know, um, haphazardly, but we can, we can will ourselves there. So Jennifer, do you have any like technique that you do? Do you, have you, um, do any techniques where you will yourself into the astral through intention or any techniques? Well, usually uh, it, it happens most likely for me uh, after I've gone lucid. Uh, I In a dream, I decide, well, I actually want to go astrally, you know? So I tune into my body at that point that is, you know, in bed. I, uh, and I, or I transition through sensations, 
um, I'll do something like I used to do things like uh, jump off of a cliff and I could feel my astral body uh, vibrating on in my bed at that point and then the outer body would happen or I would jump through glass because the crashing would trigger my vibrations and I would do things like that but now I do things more like just uh, intend intend to have an astral projection and it shifts immediately like the whole thing just the whole environment just shifts and I am in I don't know about you, but um, I I realized with a lot of t- you know years of doing this that uh, whatever I was trying to reach astrally, I began to be able to reach uh, in my mind or uh, psychic eye. I don't know what to call it, <laughs> but it improved my psychic <laughs> abilities <laughs> because uh, I would try. I would just will my sight to view those worlds and things like that and that's when I realized that the astral realm is not a place that you just go to like a dream it exists and so does the dream actually so I take that back the dream and the astral were actually places that exist all the time uh, with us Um, and I was just shifting I guess my own awareness and vibration toward that or something like that Um, but yeah, uh, so my techniques began more towards the psychic part of astral than actually trying to go out there and get something, which I've done a lot of. But um, I started to try to travel whenever, wherever, whenever I wherever I was. Um, I guess that would be like remote viewing in a sense, right? I mean, I'm not sure. What techniques do you use? Um, I guess what I do is I always like to play around with that liminal state of hip, the hypnagogic and also the hypnopompic. So these are the, 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 these thresholds on the either end of your sleep cycle. So the hypnagogic is before you fall asleep and the hypnopompic is when you're coming, uh, you're waking up. And I find that those, um, those times, uh, are almost like the magic times in which to have an out-of-body experience. So in my hypnagogic state, when I'm on the threshold of falling into sleep, I try to do a few things in order to uh, facilitate an out-of-body experience. So the first thing I do is I make sure I I lay on my back. I find that being in the supine position is uh, really conducive to this. I find if I rolled over and got really cozy and I'm in fetal position, uh, chances are it doesn't really happen. So I, I stay re- on my back and I stay very, very still. And I just start to let my body fall into sleep, but I try to keep my consciousness awake. So this is a little bit of a, you know, a trick sometimes it's like patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time. So you have to take a bit of focus to, to hold that space of consciousness, uh, awake and body asleep. And then I just start to really observe the hypnagogic. So things start shifting and changing. The phenomenon of the hypnagogic kicks in. And this is, um, you know, I start seeing imagery forming, hypnagogic imagery, which is uh, scenes of dreams or uh, lights and colors or sacred geometry. I also start feeling the sensations in my body. Uh, which can feel kind of shocking at first. It freaks people out maybe at first. It's like you get electrical feelings or buzzing or vibrating. And then I know when my body's reaching that state where I feel like I'm shaking or vibrating or buzzing full of electricity, that that is the signal to disconnect my consciousness from my body. So usually when that, when that, on the onset of that high vibration, I just, with my intention, I will myself to, um, to disconnect. And usually I do that. Uh, it's different every time, right? Sometimes I'm like, sit up. So I just sit up outside of my body and I'm like, Oh, here I am. And I start floating. Other times I roll out. Um, or other times I like wiggle out like a little, like a little corkscrew kind of <laughs> wiggle. And then I just, <laughs> I detach. And, and I notice too, when I'm on this, um, in the, in the detachment mode, sometimes it's very easy and effortless and just goes, puff and I float out and I'm floating around the room it's like wow and then other times like I was mentioning it's like going through layers of 
of yeah, syrup, and it's really hard uh, energy to per- permeate and just get through. Um, so I liken that to there's different weather, you know, like there's different weather in the astral plane that oh, yeah. makes the, it either the spectrum more diff- in the astral itself has like different. Totally, I agree one hundred percent. Yes, it's totally different weather. Sometimes you you pop out and you're like, oh, it's really peaceful and quiet. Other times it's like hurricanes it's like rushing wind there's a vortex it's like you're hearing whooshing and you're trying to move you're like ah you're like in slow motion and you can see like the trails on your uh etheric um astral body like you know like like the wind is blowing it the energy off um so there's loads of different things that you can experience as soon as you disconnect either you're in a storm or bad weather or it's peaceful or Sometimes you'll you'll come across um, entities, you know, there'll, there'll be thought forms or and they come in all different types of shapes and sizes. And like sometimes you'll still see people um, and creatures and it, it's really different every time. The pets always used to see me, which was rather bizarre. And I could see the pets also astral projecting um, as well when I was in my room sometimes. That's the thing that makes me feel like it's also linked to the paranormal. Even though I know that they do intercept with lucid dream at some point in some way, but also the distinctions are very clear to me because uh, it is linked with like the realms of the ghosts, you know? Um, Astral projection is kind of, kind of shares a space with the dead. And um, that's why we are able to do some of that psychopomp work, you know, ushering the dead, um, you know, past this life or helping them, you know, transcend or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That seems to be the zone that people who don't know that they've died uh, end up uh, roaming around, um, which is interesting and then you can yeah uh, end up uh, guiding people um if you feel called to that work usually you just get called to that line of work as a psychopomp which is literally literally a psychopomp is like a traffic warden for the dead so <laughs> those who are lost it's you're a guide and then you just say actually you first you tell them you're you're dead and uh this is the the way towards your ancestors mm-hmm. and that's uh shamanic work uh it's something that doesn't really get talked about a lot it's quite an understudied uh area of the human experience but there um it is a, a tangible thing and there are people who are working in that uh liminal space helping people definitely you can also find in the astral i don't know if you've noticed this too jenny but it seems as though you can find uh shadow uh, aspects of people in the astral, fragmented aspects of people's souls um, or psyches. This is where the shamanic journeys intercepts the astral ones. So th- this is what I was always fascinated with, like, where do they meet? And yeah, I've been able to see aspects of people. I've also been able to see something really funny, which is um, people thinking that they're dreaming. <laughs> So uh, I'm astral projecting and they're dreaming. And no, they're not dreaming. They're astral projecting, but they're like, I can see the bubble of dream that they're in, that, they're, that they think they're in. And then when I come into it, I used to do this a lot in my early 20s. I don't do this anymore because I don't like to mess with people. <laughs> but I used to go into their dream bubble <laughs> and they used to see me and be like, oh my God, you, you know, I'm dreaming or... Or you're in my dream, and I just felt like saying, "No, dude, you're in an astral projection." <laughs> and then the next day, they would be like, "Jenny, I had a dream about you." <laughs> so, in it, I, I don't do that anymore because I like to respect the little boundaries. But I'll see eventually, like um, dreamers floating around, like they're drunk. It's not dreamers, sorry. Um, astral travelers floating around like they're drunk, um, and I know that this girl. Uh, uh, from Alice in Wake Dreamland, she had her her whole uh, YouTube channel is called Alice in Wake Dreamland, um, or in German Alice Wach uh, Traumland or something like that. And she also, when we were talking many many years ago, she told me about the whole seeing them like little drunks 
in the astral. And I remember thinking, holy shit, I also have that experience. So it's, I'm not, I wasn't alone in that. I have, I have some theories about that. What? <laughs> Which is fun ones. Well, there's certain, there's certain, um, there's certain drugs um, and certain levels of inebriation when you're drunk mm. that I think you end up, consciousness disconnects from your body so you know when you're really drunk and some some people can you know say that they've experienced this they know what i'm talking about when you have blackouts so you're so drunk you black out and it gets to the point where you you know sometimes people are like i keep blacking out when i'm drunk i don't even remember things i don't remember so i'm gonna stop drinking because that's really disconcerting um so my theory is when you, you're in a blackout mode, when you're that drunk, an aspect of you is just, bong, it goes into the astral. That's why you see these. Also with drugs like ketamine, ketamine has very disassociative qualities to it. And a lot of people say, wow, I love ketamine because you go into these out-of-body states. And um, th- there was a really funny meme that was going around on the internet a few years ago. And I think it was like, just like a joke, you know, but it, there, I thought there was some funny truth to it. And it was uh, some, you know, Tibetan lamas who are complaining that the Western youth who are doing like um, tons of ketamine on the weekends were clogging up the astral plane and they couldn't get any work done. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. No, but it's true because when I was a teenager, like um, in late teens, 19, 18, um, I would get wasted because that's you know the age that I was getting wasted and I would get out of my body and I, I would tell people I'm going to get out of my body right now and I would bring my body to almost non-breathing they thought I was dead and I would get out of my body and tell them what I saw and it, it was like my party trick and they would freak out you know <laughs> it really was my party trick because I could do it and I could prove it you know um, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't drink like that. But. Yeah, there's, so this, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, these things are, are certainly understudied. Um, you know, they're not pulled into lab situations where people are looking to put money or research into these kind of things. Therefore, they are not proved by science, but they're things that are experienced by people all around the world. Uh, they are transpersonal experiences too, because they can definitely uh, change your change you in some kind of positive way. Um, and they do definitely make you question the nature of reality, which I think is a very healthy thing to do. It's good to question the nature of reality. It's good to explore. Yeah. Uh, this is what pushes us further in a consciousness evolution and exploration. Um, so let's talk about some interesting things to expect in the astral plane. Um, we often... Um, for those who, who don't, don't know or haven't experienced this, there is definitely a tangible physics that is happening in the astral. Um, and you only really realize this kind of thing when you compare notes with other people who have had similar experiences. So I know, Jenny, you know this too. When you go astral, when you go out of body, you know within you there is a knowing that you have a very finite amount of time that you're there. And you know, there's a sense of urgency, like, oh, I know that this is going to end soon. It's almost like when you dive into a pool of water and you know, you have to hold your breath and you know that you're only, you're going to be down there for a few minutes and then it's going to be like, it's time to come back. There's something about the astral plane where when you leave your body, your physical body, you have only a finite amount of time and energy outside to go and explore. You will eventually get pulled back in like snap back in. So there's that. That aspect is interesting. Why do we only get a little finite amount of time or energy to be there? What What is that? What causes that? Is it that um, the physics work different there, that we need a certain amount of uh, energy ourselves for for our consciousness to stay there? Do If we have more energy within our conscious state, could we stay there longer than normal? Or is there a physics there in that dimension that just is like, you only get a little taste and then you get snapped back? <laughs> what do you think, Jenny? Well, I have a few theories, um, but one of them um, <clears throat> is that I used to call them astral missions. 
Um, I used to believe that we have uh, this opportunity to go on a mini mission, and the thing was to really uh, kind of try to see where it pulls you, because sometimes the astral realm pulls you somewhere. <laughs> Even if you set your intention, you still don't quite know where it's going to go. Um, and you get pulled toward a situation, and I feel like once you see or experience what you're supposed to, you get pulled back, but also you do get pulled back prematurely in the beginning. So um, that you build up with time, I believe. Another one is that I believe, and this is very far out there for a lot of people, but I believe that the astral realm is a fragmented aspect of ourselves, of this earth realm. Um, the physical realm, so is the dream realm. And um, this integrative process um, is kind of like when our soul remembers where it belongs, part of it does. And we are traversing through into a, like the fragment, which makes it difficult to stay there unless we start to really, you know, integrate that into. But uh, why in the astral I only see the most magical creatures? I think that's why. Everything we see in fairy tales you know, centaurs, um, magic, you know, as we see it in movies, all those things, um, I believe they belong in the, uh, they've been fragmented out also out from us, from this realm into the astral realm. And um, this whole journey of mine has been to integrate all of that, all of these energy bodies, I guess, all of these levels of consciousness or realms um, into my being, you know, Mm -hmm. like as the source, so. Uh, or not me as the source, but like all of it is the source. And I'm just trying to, you know, grab a hold and remember who I really am. And that's the basis of my beliefs. That's really interesting. And that really brings up the topic, too, because of fragmented aspects of self in the astral. Um the, the topic of uh, time travel. Uh, the reason why I bring this up is because I've, I've stumbled upon fragmented aspects of myself, of the younger versions of myself, um, particularly in the last maybe two years, I keep stumbling across my teenage version of me. And usually in the reflection of mirrors in the astral. So, you know, looking in the mirror and I'm seeing my younger version and I'm trying to get her attention. And there's some interesting, uh, I guess I I would say soul retrieval aspects, but it seems as though I jump timelines. Um, I've had one experience where I was astral and I was flying around and I went to a certain area in London, um, a certain members club, and I saw myself younger version of myself, 15 years prior, walking across the street drunk, uh, coming out of this members club and having this feeling of floating above me, my version of me from 15 years ago, feeling concerned for her and helping her across the street. And that that had a huge impression on me, uh, which made me feel um, that I jumped timelines in a way, that I went... Uh, to, to the past and I actually somehow retrieved a part of me or helped a part of me from the past. Now I know this also can come through in future stuff too. So future timelines, and there's a really great example of a really prolific, uh, prolific um, out of body uh, teacher and author called um, Graham Nichols, very prolific author and out of body explorer, Graham Nichols. He had a, a in a, in a controlled setting too, it was like with uh, in an experimental sort of lab setting where he went into an out-of-body state, he left his body and he found himself in London on a specific street in Soho and he witnessed a an explosion from one of the pubs on the street, uh, a bomb going off in one of the, in one of the pubs and hit with a wave of tragedy and fear and grief and this was really visceral. He was in the astral, was really there and really conscious, pulled back into his body and, you know, documented, mentioned what he experienced. And no, no more than like, I think it was a week within that week, um, this event took place in London. It was a, uh, an attack, um, a, a terrorist attack on, on a pub. Uh, a hate crime towards um, a gay bar in London that occurred. And so he was able to access the timeline of the future 
within the astral. So there's something interesting about this space, the astral plane, that um, time doesn't work the same as it would in our waking reality. So the physics are different, or you're able to travel. One thing I've noticed too in the astral, um, in some of my experiences when it comes to this topic of timelines and time travel, or accessing various timelines, um, is a flat I had in London. I would leave my body there quite a bit. And I would see the version of my flat uh, in the past. So I would like exit my body, be in the kitchen. I'd be like, whose stuff is this? This isn't my stuff. And I'd look and I'd see, wow, that's that fridge looks like it's from the 1970s. And then, you know, things like that. So, you know, going to places and you're accessing the past version of it or the future version of it. So there's something really interesting when it comes to the timeline in the astral plane that's very uh, unique. Um, Another thing that's very unique in the astral plane um, is working with the physics, you know, so flying and floating, maneuvering and passing through solid objects and um, creating portals. This is my favorite thing right now um, is using your energy and your intention to create things there. Um, So I have this one, out-of-body experience that was really long. It felt so long. And I had it when I was staying at a friend's house in London. And I was staying, uh, she was away, so I was staying in her room and I was sleeping in her bed. And in the morning, I had an OBE. And so this is the first time I've ever stayed in her room. So I'm not, like, I don't really know her room very well. And I, in my out-of-body state, I had left my body, but I, it wasn't her room. I was actually in like what looked like a, a stoned castle room. Like it was a stone uh, interior, definitely uh, European. And uh, with where the window was, it was um, like a big window with a shutter. So I went over, flew over and opened it up. And I passed through and I passed through the window and I was down on the streets and it looked very much like I was in Italy. So it was like these, you know, these small, like if you've ever been to Venice, it's very like small uh, pedestrian only maze-like walkways. So I'm flying through that and I get to this restaurant and I fly into the restaurant and I feel compelled to go to this one table and this one table's getting ready to go, and there several people have stood up, and they're ready to leave. And this tall guy with red hair stands up, and I had this knowing that's the person you need to go to. So I flew over to him, and no one could see me, and I just hugged him. And I had a sense that he was dead, or he was dying, or there was something this person was on the threshold of death or dying. And I was there just hugging him and going, it's going to be okay. And then after that, I was sort of pulled backwards and went pulled backwards up back into the, this room, uh, which was, it looked very Italian. And so I'm in this room and I'm still completely loose, like there out of body, but I'm sitting on the bed now out of my body. And I decide I want to, you know, start, traveling and I'd like to make a portal to start uh, traveling and I first off decided to try to make a portal uh, on the wall there was a wall next to the door so I started to try to create a portal actually my intention was to go visit Ale in Chicago isn't that funny (laughs) and so I started building building this portal on the wall it starts coming up it's like iridescent blue and I'm willing it and it wasn't really working out I started looking at my hands and all my hands formed like this iridescent blue like map work I could see this map on the palm of my hands and I could see Chicago and I saw like a blue dot where Ale was and it sort of zoomed in and I could see these these houses with very specific turrets very defined and very specific. And I was getting really excited, like, yes, I'm going to go. And then I'm going to, I tried to make the portal again 
on this wall next to the door in this castle room. And it started forming. And then I was just pulled back into my waking reality. And when I woke up, I was like, this is incredible. And straight away, I recorded my voice uh, relaying the experience. But after I relayed the experience, uh, recording it, I started looking around the room because I was like, right, I was in this castle. The, the window was there. Okay, yeah, that's where the window is in this room. The door was there. Yes, that's where the door was, you know, same as in the layout of this bedroom. And then I realized something where I was trying to create the portal, which was on the wall right next to the door, because I was going like, why was that area easy to make a portal? I looked and in this, my friend's bedroom, right beside the door, it was like, was a mirror. And I was like, gosh, there's something to do with mirrors that are able to create portals. And I've had this experience many times in astral, wherever I go to a mirror, it seems to be a gateway to transport somewhere else, pop up somewhere else. And I did one once with you, Jennifer, where I had an experience and I went to the mirror, the portal was formed and I passed through and I was in New York City. It like teleported me. So there's an interesting thing with the physics of the astral where mirrors seem to be some kind of conduit and some kind of portal in order to teleport. Have you experienced anything like that before? Yeah, I mean, I used to always try to project into mirrors when I was younger. (laughs) It was definitely a portal Um, and a portal into interesting places because sometimes, you know, remember I told you about the mini missions, like the astral missions. Sometimes I would um, project into uh, a mirror and I would end up in... uh, not like a normal place, I guess, I would, and I wouldn't be me. So I wasn't sure quite what that was. But for example, I was an old man um, in, an, in some kind of an island or land, and I was protecting two creature children. They weren't human. Um, and this happened often. Like, this was a repetitive place uh, sometimes. And um, uh, it wasn't like it was different each time. It was the, s- the same each time like I was an old man I was protecting these children and I was the one that was able to tame the sea monster um and then um other times uh, when I would go through not necessarily a mirror but like portals I would end up um as an old man again um protecting crystals that would mark Merkabas Merkabas in a map, so, uh, and usually I would have to hide, I was almost repeating the same scenario where I had to hide these crystals and then they would kill me. But they couldn't find the, the crystals, which was the most important thing. And um, these were, I was like uh, mid twenties when I was having these uh, portal experiences, uh, in mini missions in the astral. And uh, that's when I realized that, uh, like you said, fragments of ourselves, different aspects of ourselves. Funny, I found a, a, a in my dream journal, I found a dream. Hold on. <laughs> this is recent, but the funny part here, it says an old master with long white hair and beard. Um is there with me and I'm circling qualities that he is. I'm, I circle like he's my friend, he's my teacher, uh, student, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, I only chose two for you, elder and old man. And at that point I realized I wasn't who I thought I was and that my perception was looking from Jenny. But at that moment I wasn't who I thought I was. But this old man theme, all the time, like even in dreams, astral. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. I've also been a boy, but old man is the most prominent one. <laughs> Amazing. That's such an interesting. <laughs> it surprised me. He was like elder and old man. I was like, what? <laughs> like I'm an old man. Dimitri used to joke when we met, like not too long after we met, like a year or two, he used to call me old 
old man. Like he was like within jokes, you know, he's kind of like tapped in energetically to things without even innocently, like not knowing. And he's always tuned in somehow. One thing I just wanted to add was that mm -hmm. um, in the astral, I've also been called to cleanse. Uh, like, and I, I thought about this because of the drugs thing you mentioned where people get out of their body. And usually I, I when I'm called to cleanse, by my guides or naturally uh, it just happens like I pop out because I need to that's the weird thing I can only pop out like that when it's necessary just like deciding like pop you know I don't even need to go through anything I just it's like it's needed I pop out uh, it's like a call and it's a party astral parties that I, I usually have to escort <laughs> it happens like in Airbnbs hotels um, and I have to like escort, not, it's nothing violent, just escort them out. They're not dead because I would be normally, you know, shifting them. Some are, but mostly they're not dead. They're astral parties, <laughs> like entities. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It reminds me of that really funny meme. And I've shared a lot of times on social media and the meme is, uh, while they part, while they out, while they're partying, I'm astral projection. <laughs> you know, when your book was launched, I had an astral projection that night. I was not able to make it into yeah, your I party, did. but I astral projected toward it. And I saw your friend right. whom I thought was uh, one of your friends, like uh, Luis Solorat. I think that's his name. Luis? I thought it was yeah, him, but yeah, when I Lewis. described him, he seemed like he was um, not him. Like that was because I couldn't imagine something more, but I looked into my memory and it was actually a different guy. It was um, Ren, but it was like a mix. Yeah. My friend who exactly. died. And who we were always like, you have a, you dedicated that book to him or something, right? Like you had a... A little, a little part. That's right. It is dedicated. Yeah, and I remember, and he, and he seemed um, a little sad, and he was wearing a like a hat, hoodie, hoodie, not a hoodie, a, like a beanie hat, and I remember, I don't know why I thought it was Lewis, but it was actually Ren, and the people around were doing a lot of drugs. <laughs> they had like little boxes, little boxes, <laughs> you know, powders to sniff. <laughs> well, you know, at that party, I had my my friend Lewis was there, and I do thank him in my book. Uh, Ren, I have uh, dedicated the book to him and wrote it right about him in the book. He's died and passed, but he comes through um, in dreams for me quite a bit. Oh, so he, he may he may have been he may have been using um, Lewis to perceive. You know how you can sometimes um, a spirit can sort of uh, taste things through a person that's alive. At least that's from my experience. And other psychics have said the same yes. thing when they contact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there were no drugs at my book launch, but there were a lot of dreaming herbs. And I had made little kits for people to take. <laughs> a lot of my dreaming herbs, some of them are psychotropic. So some of them do have psychoactive uh, compounds in them. So you got that part right as well to a certain extent. There were people there. But maybe maybe the astral maybe the astral um, entities that were there were the ones doing stuff because I don't think it was people like for me it was like I was in the astral you know yeah I mean? they well they were, with astral people yeah, they wanted some of the blue lotus wine that I was serving up <laughs> this, is, this feels good this sauce <laughs> that's funny so. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to give a few references, uh, references out to those who are listening, who are very interested in the in astral projection, in out of body states, and want to look more into it. Um, some resources to hand your way. I mentioned already Graham Nichols, who is an amazing author and explorer of out of body states. He's got a great book called Navigating the Out of Body Experience. Um, also, look into Robert Monroe who started the Monroe Institute. There's lots of information online 
and interviews on YouTube. Also, William Bullman, who's part of the Monroe Institute. So they've dedicated lots of uh, funding and hours uh, to scientifically research um, the out-of-body states. That's a good one, Monroe Institute, to check out. Also, our our mutual friend, um, uh, Jennifer uh, Jade Shaw. She teaches the art of astral projection and out-of-body experiences. And you can find her as um, Jade Shaw Astral Projection on uh, social media. And she does courses and workshops. Um, and, I have one uh, yeah. book that um, I'm still, I've, I've still not finished, but um, I like it because it's, I, I don't know about the author. I don't know him very well. I do have him on Facebook, Mark Stavish. I know he's a strange person and not popular because I think he says things that are a little controversial, but he comes from the hermetic, um, uh, he's the founder of the Institute for Hermetic Studies. His book is called Between the Gates, and it's about lucid dreaming, astral projection, and the body of light in Western esotericism. And it really goes into like the soul, the spirit, the emerald tablet, the tree of life. And it, it, for the for the people who are more inclined into this like weirdness, I I recommend it to read it with an open mind. Don't take it literally, but it does have a different, uh, uh, you know, Kabbalah astral kind of connection, which for me is interesting. Um, I also, yeah, oh, wow. it is. And I've always, I, I, you know, I've, I've always read it at the wrong time. And I think now I would probably read it again. I like to reread books because I'm always going to read it from a new perspective. But um, I also suggest uh, really looking into the tree of life. There's a book by Israel Regardi. That's more into the magical realms. But I believe that Kabbalah or Kabbalah, whatever you call it, and um, the, the way that they um, explain the tree of life and everything, I believe that all of this is connected with our astral energy bodies. And I would also recommend that um, to, to, to really look into the magic behind our spirit, like those things like tree of life and all these things, because it really is connected. It is the other side of things and um, the other side of science or the same for me, it's all the same, but I know people like to separate them. But it's great to it's great to get the esoteric side of things, and yet usually these things start off esoteric, and they push the envelope, and then science uh, starts to study them and do the tests and the experiments and back it up. Um, if you want a science based approach to the astral bot, or the, the astral experience, check out Anthony oh, yeah. Peak. Anthony Peak always has um, great bits of science and very well researched. And great theories from Anthony Peek. He's got a book simply called The Out-of-Body Experience. Um, And uh, definitely check out his work, too. So it's nice sometimes to get the science-based stuff and experiences and then the personal experiences and the esoteric side of these. uh, Yeah, they um, belong together. uh, I feel like they complement each other. And I don't like to just read one side or the other. I like to read it all. Uh, I did avoid books about astral projection growing up because I wasn't in agreement with all these authors. And I kind of stopped, uh, I started to just try to experience for myself. But then later on in life, I started reading the books, which was kind of cool because after I figured it out myself, I could be like, oh yeah, that, oh no, I'd never had that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like the silver cord, like I'm like, what silver cord? Anyway, but it, you know, these are the cool things that even in lucid dreaming, I, I avoided uh, books on how to lucid dream like the plague. And I can't, I still can't relate to them except, you know, maybe the wild technique, um, which I used to do anyway, you know, um, but in a, just without the, the title of wild, I just kind of knew what to do. But um, yeah, I'm just now at a late stage reading up on what was going on while I was disconnected. <laughs> Brilliant. But anyway, yeah, so let's pull a tarot. Now yes, Trevo my love. <laughs> will lead us into an astral tarot. <laughs> what is the temperature out of the astral? <laughs> <laughs> this is good. An astral travel tarot card full. I love it. It's funny because, um, you know, lately in lucid dreams and 
mostly lucid dreams. I haven't had an astral yet. I've been reading tarot in lucid dreams. It's so funny. It's been really good. Like super. Yeah. So they've been popping up in my lucid dreams. So let's see if we can get some astral tarot. Astral tarot. Here we go. Let's pull a card. Let's feel into it. Oh my God. The card I pulled. I pulled the card of being in limbo. The hanged man. This is literally the card of liminal states, limbo. This is the astral card. Uh, The hangman is the card of suspension. It's literally being in the space in between. It's being in limbo. It's being on pause as well sometimes um, and in suspension. Sometimes this card could come about when... um, when we're feeling like everything's on pause, this lockdown oh, is definitely yeah. a hangman aspect. But looking at this from the perspective of the astral, uh, this is the liminal card, the card of in between and the card of limbo. Uh, what I would recommend reading into this um, from some astral advice for you, if you're learning to or you're wanting to start to explore that limbo, that space in between, that hangman space, have patience because the big message with this card is patience, being steadfast, putting in the groundwork, putting in the planning for things. But the biggest message is is patience and not to build up frustration. Now with an astral projection uh, practice, it takes a bit of time. It's not something that you can, you know, it, it, it can take quite a bit of time. So have patience in the process, stick to the practice, stick to the discipline as well, and you will make progress and you will end up in this liminal suspension limbo states. Um, so just keep with. So, so in a way like um, surrendering to the experience. Yes, because a big part of this hangman aspect is letting go. And that is, thank you, Jennifer, because that's a big part of this card too, is surrender and not overthinking it too much too. So sometimes we can get really locked in with the technique and, oh, I need to do this and I need to wear these certain pajamas and I need to have this certain thing on my head. And I need, you know, we can get stuck in on the, the pedantic details, but a big part of it is surrendering. So when you're on that threshold in the hypnagogic where you're falling into that liminal state, the hangman state, surrender, like surrender to it. Don't overthink it and, you know, approach the letting go aspect of it not trying to control too much because when we go to these dream realms and these liminal spaces and the astral, we realize that we don't really have too much control. We need to co-create with this space because it's operating on a totally different physics level. Um, Oh, oh, uh, Trini, I just thought of something. (laughs) Because you know how sometimes you get out of your body and you're upside down or... yes. You're literally. That's it. And I've had many experiences like that where I've gone out of body and I can't seem to get out of the hangman position where I'm 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 foot feet to the ceiling and I'm hanging down like a bat from the ceiling and I'm suspended and I'm floating and I'm like, what's up with this? Why? And I'm seeing those dream those experiences in the astral is almost kind of like healing dreams when I go into that mode when I'm hanging upside down. I've, I've had, um, I've noticed that at that point I can't, I have to figure out what sort of energy body I'm in, in the astral or the temperature, like you said, um, I used to call it the, uh, like the weather of the astral realm. And depending on that, you know, my body would react not to the normal movement. So my favorite thing was to figure out what language is my astral body's talking? Like, how do I direct it? And sometimes it was uh, telepathic, like not willing it like a body, but like with my mind. And then it would sort of slowly stabilize. Um, I would go sideways. <laughs> but yeah, there's been a lot of times when when the body just does what it does. Like you sometimes like a balloon floating on the, <laughs> bumping against the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Oh, it's so that's really interesting. I'm so happy to pull the hangman's. Our cards are always yeah. spot on to the topic. It's so cool. Thank you for tuning in to episode 14, Astral Projection. 
or as other people call it, out-of-body experience. And um, if you want to find us, we are in a lot of channels, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, Google Play. And uh, you can tune into all of our past episodes. We are also um, uh, part of a group called The Lucid Hive. So we post there regularly. Um, and you can uh, find that on Facebook, the Facebook page, at The Lucid Hive. Uh, no, yeah, we're on Instagram where we post uh, excerpts of our podcast and other things. And you can find that at, at The Dream Freaks. We're actually at The Dream Freaks everywhere. So all you have to do is search at The Dream Freaks. Facebook, Instagram, all the podcast channels. Oh, and uh, we also have a Patreon page. It's been slow because of this pandemic, and it's it, we're, we're planning on picking that up. So we apologize, and we're going to look for ways to make it up to the people that were there during this time and things got silent for like a couple of months. A lot of very dramatic things have happened um, in during that time and now, as many of you know. So um, it's a hard time for everybody, and, and we uh, thank you for your patience to patrons that are there and um, become our patrons support us you know we have to pay all these things uh, softwares and editing and all that is time and we would really appreciate your support every Sunday through she's lost control uh, you can come in and join at the dream Academy I go over different components of conscious dreaming practice we discuss loads of various tools and techniques and we do lots of dream sharing as well it's a really great space to connect with other dreamers and to uh, carry on your practice and uh, conscious dreaming lucid dreaming out-of-body states plant work it, it's a fantastic place so um, where is it happening it happens at 8 p.m. British time so you, you'd have to come to check out my Instagram page. I think that would be the best place because then you can get all the international times on there. So you can find me, uh, Lucid Dream Tree, on Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, well, we sending everybody love, hoping that um, we get through these times. And right now, maybe you're listening to this in the future, but it is uh, June 2020. <laughs> And shit has hit the fan. 